Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well today. It is Wednesday, September 22nd. It is 10.30 a.m., and it is time for Bible study. It is a beautiful morning in North Texas. Absolutely beautiful. This morning I woke up, it was 57 degrees-ish. It was cold. Went for a nice walk. Felt like fall. Fall has arrived. Thank you, Jesus. The summer is over. And now it's 10.30, and we are... In Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12. So uh, good morning to each and every one of you, and thank you so much for making time uh, to listen to this Bible study. And uh, we only have one chapter left after this week. Uh, We are studying Hebrews 12 today, Hebrews 13 in two weeks. No Bible study next week, so uh, two weeks from today, Hebrews chapter 13, and then we will be done. And then we'll look for the next... uh, next book of the Bible to go to. So uh, again, thanks so much for making this a priority, making this part of your week, and uh, glad to be here with you. Okay, so let's jump right in. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and as taking his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Love, love, love this text. Love this text. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So the author of Hebrews has a vision, envisions the previous heroes of faith, the heroes of faith that we talked about, last week, right, as spectators from heaven, this cloud of witnesses who are there cheering us on, supporting us, encouraging us, being there for us, uh, letting us know that what we're doing is right, you know, living the life of faith is the right thing to do, that they are there uh, supporting, encouraging, helping, comforting in any way that they can. So, so the question, the question is, do we believe Do we believe that the heroes of faith can see us from heaven? Can they see us, right? So when we think about the heroes of faith, we can can think about, you know, anybody who has gone to heaven, anybody that we've lost, anybody who we've loved that is lost, uh, anybody who's in heaven that we, you know, can they see us? Can our grandparents see us? Can, Can our parents see us? Can they see us? Can they encourage us? Can they cheer us on? from heaven, right? So interesting question, you know, are we surrounded by a cloud of witnesses? Is, you know, is this the communion of the saints that we talk about, that where where the saints are are all around us all the time, supporting us, encouraging us, helping us, helping us to be and do what God would have us be and do, right? Uh, So, because we need it. We need this cloud of witnesses as we run with perseverance, the race that is set before us. So life is a race that is set before us. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon, right? But it is a race and we have to run it, right? And running a race involves effort and commitment. It means moving, it means going, it means continuing when it's hard, right? Now, winning the race Winning the race is not important. Finishing the race 
is important. Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Let us finish the race. Finish the race. So what what helps a runner finish the race? Right? How how can a runner what does a runner need to finish the race? Well, believe it or not, I was captain of my track team in high school. That's right. Captain of my track team. And although I didn't run any races per se, I was a thrower. Uh, I got to to run a lot in practice and and I was able to, you know, run some I actually did have to run some relays and stuff, the thrower relays. I got a medal for it too, somewhere. I don't know where it went, but it's somewhere. Uh, what, what do you need? What does a runner need to finish a race? Well, encouragement, but there's also the mental aspect of running, of you can do this, believing in yourself, believing that it's possible, believing that you can get to the line, the finish line. You know, you, you trick yourself in whatever, in whatever ways you have to, you know, it's, I can just, I can run for another five minutes. I can run for another five minutes. I can run for five minutes. I can run for five more minutes. I can run for two more minutes, right? And then you get to, to, to those two, two minutes. And you're like, I can run for two more minutes. I can run for two more minutes. And then before you know it, you run for 30 minutes, right? It's the, it's the continual games we play with our mind to say, it is possible. I can do this. We can make it. And then what stops me from finishing a race is, you know, what, what, what makes me want to give up? Maybe an injury or, you know, an injury, if you're injured, you should stop. You should stop. But, uh, but that, that, that peace of your mind, when you, when you start to think, this is too long, I can't do it, right? When you start to look at the entirety, the entire scope of the race, and you think to yourself, I just can't do it all. It's too big. It's overwhelming, right? When, we, when you look at it two minute, you know, two minute intervals or five minute intervals, it becomes, yeah, I can do this. But then when you look at the race, it's like, oh, you know, if you're running a half marathon, 13 miles, I can't run 13 miles. But I can run five minutes at a time. I can make myself go five minutes at a time. So, you know, when we, it's easy to get overwhelmed when we look at the scope of life, when we look at all the problems of life. Is I can't do this. I can't make it through this life faithfully. I can't make it through this life and love my neighbor. I, I have to protect and love myself first and foremost, right? It's easy to be overwhelmed. It's easy to be overwhelmed. But if we take life one day at a time, one week at a time, one relationship at a time, uh, we can under we, we can see how we can get through. We we can set away set aside that which is overwhelming, and we can make it. We can make it uh, as long as we just focus right. Narrow our focus to the day, to the hour, to the minute, to the time we're spending with someone. You know, I I, I have so much to do, but I have thirty minutes that I can spend with someone getting coffee, and for those thirty minutes, I can set aside all the other things on my mind. Or for 60 minutes on a Sunday morning, I can set aside all the things that I'm worried about and just worship and just be a part of a community. Just be in, in you know, in a sanctuary and worship, worship God for all that God has done. So, uh, okay, jumping ahead, verses 7 through 8. Endure trials for the sake of discipline. God is treating you as children. For what children is there whom a parent does not discipline? If you do not have that discipline in which all children share, then you are illegitimate and not his children. Woo! Another important piece of, you know, being an athlete, running a race is discipline. The discipline to train. The discipline to get up and to do the right things and to eat the right way and to do, you know, to, to stop yourself from behaviors and, and things that uh, would, would make it more difficult to run. Okay, so discipline. Uh, one of the great reasons for the discouragement among the Jewish Christians who this was written to 
was because uh, they saw no reason why God would allow difficult times to arise. Why would God allow difficult things to happen? Why would God allow pain and suffering? Why would God allow fill in the blank, right? We all have this conversation. Why would God allow hurricanes? Why would, why would God allow earthquakes? Why would God allow fires? Why would God allow natural disasters? Why would God allow pandemics? Why would God allow those things? Well, and so the answer, the answer in Hebrews 12 is, well, endure trials for the sake of discipline. It helps us. It helps us to be disciplined. Uh, so does God train us through discipline uh, in the same way and, and, and use, does God use hurricanes and natural disasters and pandemics to discipline us? And is discipline and punishment the same thing? So first off, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say hurricanes and earthquakes and natural disasters and fires and pandemics. It, it's not God standing, you know, st- standing, looking down upon the world as the great puppeteer and pulling strings to make earthquakes happen and pulling strings to make uh, uh hurricanes happen and fires and all that stuff. I don't believe in a God who does that. I don't believe in a God who does that. Uh, but I do believe that each and everything, each and every time we go through suffering, it is a time for us to lean into our faith, to have a, a better understanding of what it means to follow God. When we, when we experience loss, right, that is a time to cling to our hope and to proclaim our hope and to talk about our hope of, of heaven and eternal life. Right when we when we see that there are problems with our and, and our neighbors are in, in need, it's an opportunity to love our neighbor. It's an opportunity to share. It's an opportunity to help. Um, and so, are discipline and punishment the same thing? No, no. Uh, uh, life is full of discipline, right? Full of opportunities to be who we were created to be. Full of opportunities to train our hearts and our minds to not be overwhelmed by the scope of life but to, for opportunities to focus and to say, in this moment, I have a choice. I can choose to ignore the needs of others. I can choose to focus on myself, or I can choose to be the person I was created to be, to do that which I was created to do, to love my neighbor, to help those in need, right? And so as we train our minds to help those in that moment, right, that, that is the discipline of, of, of the same type of discipline as a runner, right? We train our minds. We say, no, I can keep going. I can keep going. I can do two more minutes. I can do five more minutes, right? And so we train our minds uh, through discipline. Uh, discipline and punishment aren't, uh, aren't necessarily the same thing. Okay, jumping ahead to verses 14 through 15. Pursue peace with everyone and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. I'm going to read that again. That sounded wrong, but I think I read it right. Pursue peace with everyone and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Okay, so the holiness which without, without which no one will see the Lord. So basically, live out your faith and others will see God as you live out your faith. Okay, I get that. 15, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and through it many become defiled. Okay, weird, weird little reading here. Weird couple of verses. Pursue peace with everyone. That one's easy. That one's easy and that one is hard, right? It's easy to understand. It's difficult to do. Pursue peace with everyone. Imagine what our world would be like if every baptized Christian pursued 
peace with everyone. We don't pursue peace with everyone. We pursue drama. We pursue conflict. We want to argue. We want to tell people I'm right and you're wrong. We want to do all those things. We don't want to pursue peace. But if we were to pursue peace with everyone, our world would be a different and better place. Then verse 15, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. What, what does that mean? What does that mean? See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. How can you fail to obtain the grace of God if the grace of God is a gift, right? It is a gift which God gives you. Here, here is the gift. I'm giving it to you. How can you fail to obtain it? Is that an oxymoron? What do we think? Can you fail to obtain the grace of God? Well, with any gift, you, you can say no. You can say no. I'd, I'd rather not accept your gift of grace, right? Now, let's remember the context. If you've been with me this whole time through the study of Hebrews, the, the, the Hebrew people, the, the people who were Jewish Christians, were going back to their Judaism, which is to say they were saying no to the grace of God. We are going back to the sacrifices uh, of the past. We're going we're gonna to continue the sacrifices that we grew up with. And so instead of trusting in God's grace, we are going to trust in our sacrifices and we are going to see have our sacrifices there so we can say, well, because, because we killed that goat, we know that we're forgiven. But you don't need to do that. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Trust in God's grace. Trust in God's grace. Don't fail to obtain the grace. Don't reject the grace and go back to, go back to what, uh, what you were doing before. That's to say that Jesus' death doesn't mean anything. All right. Last few verses. Verses 18 through 24. Sounds like a lot of verses. It's just a couple of really long sentences. You have not come to something that can be touched, a blazing fire, a darkness, and gloom, and a tempest. And the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that not another word be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Okay, so what does that all mean? What does that all mean? So the first part is talking about when the Israelites came to Mount Sinai. And this, is, this goes back to Exodus 19. And Exodus 19 explains what it was like when they came to Mount Sinai. The mountain was like fenced off. Do not go to the mountain. No trespassing. If you go to the mountain, you're going to die. Even if an animal goes to the mountain, it's going to be stoned to death. Don't go to the mountain. Stay away from the mountain. Don't go to the mountain, right? Stay away. Be afraid of the mountain. And they came to the mountain and there was thunder. There was lightning. There was a thick cloud, right? Like, like a real spooky place. Kind of like when you see like the, the lair of a, of a villain, like a castle where a villain lives, right? And in a movie or a cartoon or whatever, there's always like uh, clouds and smoke and lightning, right? Uh, and, and, and so it was like there was earthquakes, Exodus says, right? There was like smoke like from a furnace and earthquakes. And then a trumpet sounded long, 
for a long time until Moses spoke and God answered. And, and the people of Israel were terrified. Even Moses said he was terrified, right? It was, it was terrifying. The people were supposed to be afraid of God. They were supposed to live, out, live in fear of God. And it did, didn't work. It worked for a short period of time, a real short period of time, like five weeks, right? It worked for like five weeks, and 40 days later, they were worshiping a golden calf. <laughs> fear worked for five weeks. That's it. And 40 days later, on the fifth day of the sixth week, they were worshiping a golden calf. They're like, yeah, yeah, let's go, but let's do something else. They make any gold. Let's make a calf and worship that. <laughs> I mean, that's what happened. That's what Exodus tells us, Exodus 20. What's important to hear, what's important to hear for us today and for the Hebrews of the first century who were following Jesus. Our relationship with God is not modeled after Israel's experience in Mount Sinai. We do not come to the mountain frightened, terrified, scared to death that we cannot, uh, we cannot approach the mountain. If we approach the mountain, we will die, right? We don't come to a mountain that is thunder and lightning and smoke and earthquakes and trumpets that are meant to terrify us. That is not our relationship with God. We come to God's other mountain, Mount Zion. Mount Zion, which, as it says here in the scripture reading, the name of the hill which Jerusalem sits upon, because right outside Jerusalem, Jesus was crucified on that hill. That is the hill we come to. On that hill, we don't see a God who wants you to be afraid. We see a God who wants you to know that you are loved. There is a huge difference in here. A God who says, I am going to motivate you by fear. And a God who says, I am going to motivate you by love, right? The old covenant, the old covenant says, I am going to motivate you by fear. Here is the law. Here is, hear the thunder, see the smoke. Here is the law. Do it. And if you don't, you're in trouble. Here's the new covenant. Come to the cross and see how far I'm willing to go so that you know how much you are loved. See, the problem with fear is fear is only going to motivate you to make you just good enough. Just good enough so that you're going to be okay. And you might even cross the line a time or two, but you hope nobody sees, right? That's fear. Love, love motivates in a completely different way. Love says you can cross the line. It's okay. I'm still going to love you. And I really want you to live this way. I really want you to live this way because I love you. And, and so we motivate, we are motivated, compelled, urged to live because we are loved and because of what Jesus did for us uh, on Mount Zion to show us uh, this new covenant and to show us how much we're loved. Uh, and so it's fear versus love and how love is more powerful. Fear lasted 35 days. It lasted five weeks. Love is so much more powerful, has lasted so much longer, and is such a better way to be motivated to be the people of God, right? We love because we first, because he first loved us, right? And so we share that love. Uh, so there we go. Hebrews chapter 12. We will finish Hebrews in two weeks, Hebrews chapter 13, uh, and then we'll go somewhere else from there. So 
Thank you all for joining me. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Hope you're all staying safe, and we'll uh, stop with a word of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for the blessings that we have. Uh, We thank you for the cloud of witnesses who has um, shown us what it means to be faithful, and uh, whoever it is now that is cheering us on, we are grateful for them. We pray for more people in our lives to encourage us, to help us, train our minds to understand that it is possible to follow you. It is possible uh, to live the life of faith as opposed to uh, to be overwhelmed uh, when we're overwhelmed. So we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that is with us always, encouraging us, strengthening us, and helping us. Uh, be with us now this day and every day. Help us to um, shine your light and share your love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, have a wonderful day, a great week, and I will see you back in two weeks. Take good care of yourselves.